Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we talk about all things OCD. If you're looking for help, download my free OCD Survival Kit. It's packed with resources and bonus worksheets to support you on your journey. Go to www.coreresults.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today with me, I have Zach Westerbeck, and he's an OCD advocate, professional speaker, podcast host, and an author of You're Not Alone, who was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder in 2016. During that time period, he experienced severe anxiety, deep depression, and thoughts of suicide. After hitting his rock bottom moment, he sought help and started to recover. Through his recovery process, he now travels the country sharing his experience of living with OCD and educating thousands of students on the fundamentals of mental health. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Christina, for having me here. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things in um, kind of connecting with you is, well, you have a book, right? And I think anybody who has a book and a podcast, of course, you know, having lived experience with OCD, I think it's it's really, I think, important and critical to continue to, you know, get that advocacy and the word out. Um, and especially, I think, being a male. Um, and I think there's, you know, sometimes certain things specifically that for that population that can be experienced. So I wonder if you won't mind sharing with us kind of how did the book generally come about and kind of what what brought you to want to write that? That's, I know yeah. it's a big question, but I'm sure I'm sure you'll you'll walk us through it. It's a great question. And it's, I'll tell you, the first thing is that it was completely unexpected. I, I graduated from uh, university with a degree in economics, just to frame up how completely unexpected this path was, how I believe um, in what Steve Jobs said, where you can only connect the dots looking back. So you just have to put some sort of faith and trust in the universe that there's a plan for you. And and for me, I, I I really feel like that is the case because for me, writing the book, I I didn't have that as like the 10-year life plan, having the podcast, um, cultivating an audience to serve the OCD community. But what ended up happening for me was after graduating from university in 2014, I moved from Indianapolis, Indiana, down to Raleigh, North Carolina to start working for the technology company, Cisco Systems. So I thought I was going to go down the technology path. I thought I'm going to be in this fast-paced, innovative environment. It's going to be, it's just going to be great. That's what I thought my life was going to be. And within the first 10 months of being down there, everything started to change with the way that my brain functioned. And all of a sudden, I'm waking up with sweaty palms, a dry mouth, racing thoughts, pounding heart. And then, of course, as, as I later learned on that this was OCD, but I was experiencing intrusive thoughts. And so I'm having these thoughts that I just I, I don't want to be having, I want to get rid of them. And so I'm unknowingly compulsing, right? I'm just, I'm obsessing and compulsing. And within a couple more months, I had gone from this happy-go-lucky kid, excited to be in the real world, excited to be working for a technology company, to severely anxious and deeply depressed. And also not knowing what in the hell is going on with my brain? Why am I having these thoughts? And, and for your audience, I'll just cut right to the chase. I was struggling with sexual orientation OCD. 
So I identify as a straight male and all of a sudden I'm being flooded with these intrusive thoughts that I've changed my sexual preferences, that I'm now attracted to men, that, that, you know, what hap- like what will happen if I just wake up tomorrow and I see an attractive guy at the office, right? Or something like that. Like I'm being flooded with this type of thinking. I know that you're very familiar. My, my story is not unique. We all experience sort of the same pattern of thoughts. But for me, this was brand new. I had no idea why this was happening. And so I'm just going into full-blown panic mode. I remember at one point in time, I had like a rubber band around my mm-hmm. wrist And every time I had an intrusive thought, I snapped it to like bring myself, like my thinking was, I'll just bring myself back to the present moment. Yeah. So I was compulsing and I was compulsing and compulsing and and my window between uh, an intrusive thought and compulsing and feeling relief was becoming smaller and smaller. And so at my lowest moment, I was having thoughts of suicide from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to bed. And I feel like I had just sort of broken my heart, my own heart in a way, because I felt, and we can talk more about this, and I know this is very common in the OCD community, but I just, I felt like I had betrayed myself. I was dating my now wife at the time. I liked her and I was so confused and hurt that all of a sudden I might, I might just wake up and be attracted to men and lose her. But I just could not, as you know, the harder I tried, the the more intense that the thoughts became. And so for me, I eventually hit this rock bottom moment where when I thought 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, if this is what my life was going to be, I just felt like this isn't what I signed up for. This is This is not who Zach is. And so... As I'm kind of grappling with this and gearing up to take action, I think to myself, you know what, let me call my parents. At this point in time, I had been calling my mom compulsively to get reassurance. Mom, when I was a little boy, is was there ever anything, did I ever do anything to make you think that maybe secretly I was attracted to, to other little boys? Um, and of course, she'd be like, Zach, no, like, I promise you, you from day one, you've always been a straight little boy. Like you were always a straight little boy. I, I just don't, I don't see how anything would change. Like you just need to get these thoughts out of your head. You know, she was trying her very best to support me. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to call them, tell them where I'm at and just see if they have any suggestions. And they, what they, what they did is what changed the trajectory of my life. And it was something so small, but important. Um, they didn't judge me. They were accepting and they encouraged me to seek professional assistance, which was something that up until that point, I honestly hadn't even considered. I had such a stigmatized view of going to therapy back then that it was like, oh, I'm one of those people now. And so it was the last thing that I would have let myself do candidly for the audience because I know that there'll be people that listen to this episode and can relate. So I want to be open about that. But that that decision is what changed my life. I eventually found a psychologist, Dr. Irene Wagner, down in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yep. And I remember I sat in her office. I We went through a, an, an analysis. And at the end of it, she was like, you have OCD. And the good news about this is that it's it's highly treatable. 
there's a talk therapy called exposure and response prevention. And um, if you go through this talk therapy and you really pour into the work, uh, you can reclaim your life. That was a long, windy road. I won't exhaust the details there because you asked about the book. Meeting with her was the catalyst to my recovery. And from 2016 to 2018, that is what I focused on. And the entire time in the back of my head, I just kept telling myself, if and when I get out of this, I want to help other people. I never want somebody to suffer in silence the way that I did. I never want somebody to get pushed to the brink where they no longer want to be around anymore. I mean, it's to get to that place for people who have been there, you know how scary it is. It, it, it's the most hopeless place I've ever been. And I never want anybody else to get there. And so um, in 2018, I think it's kind of like, you know, when when your path is unfolding, the right people come into your life. And, and I had a mentor come into my life and he was like, Zach, if you want to start to share your story, there's a space for you here in, in the college market um, because college students struggle a lot with uh, with their mental health and those those rates of depression and anxiety are rising. And I think that you could do some good there. And so everything started back in 2018, sharing my story. And since then, um, I've traveled the country, spoken to thousands of students, um, probably up over 100 universities at this point, and then to your question, uh, through his encouragement, I ended up writing and publishing my first book, You're Not Alone, which is a guide for 18 to 24-year-olds to help them overcome anxiety and depression. And it's everything that I wish I would have known at the start of my journey. And I'm really proud to say that we're selling in over a dozen countries. We've sold thousands of copies of the book, and I feel like it's doing um, what it's supposed to do. And so really... My day-to-day -day is spent advocating for individuals with OCD and then depression and anxiety on a larger scale, educating that 18 to 24-year-old range, um, and really just pouring into the OCD community. Because as you know, it's it's OCD is not a life sentence by any means, but it does require that you, you live a certain lifestyle to get the the most out of your brain. And so I'm really committed to helping people on that path. Long-winded answer, but here we are. No, listen, I love that answer. I, I think it's very encompassing. And and I, I also, you know, just one want to thank you for sharing very candidly and openly. I think that's one of the most important kind of aspects when we talk about OCD, because it is something where people suffer in silence for a very long time uh, before they learn or realize that it's OCD, right? And carrying around intense feelings of guilt, shame, anxiety, embarrassment, all, all that stuff. And like you said, um, quite often, it's not like it's just OCD. It's OCD and feeling depressed or OCD and feeling like I don't even want to live or OCD and I don't even know who I am anymore, right? So, so many kind of profound doubts and and really losses, right? And, you know, being able to come out on the other side, finally, it's a journey. It really is a journey, you know, and to really come back home, if you will, to yourself mm. and really kind of reclaim and reconnect. Okay, this is who I am you know, I'm back to that clarity and my values and, you know, kind of the life I do want to live and knowing that, you know, it's not always going to be, you know, the rainbow and roses, but even when it rains, it's okay. Like I have the tools or I can get an umbrella or I can grab that extra jacket. Right. So just like with OCD, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, I know what to do with the thought. I know how to move 
through it, right? Because I understand the mechanisms of how things work. Mm. Um, and so with everything you just shared, you know, something that is a question I didn't quite plan for, but I do want to ask, because I imagine if if I'm somebody listening right now, I certainly would want to know, you know, what are some of those things that's, you know, really specifically, you mentioned 18 to 24, what are some of those things that um, you discuss or offer in the book? Obviously, we can't go through the whole book, but, you know, are there just some highlights that, you know, you wouldn't mind sharing because some of my audience is actually in that age range as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I, if you ever see me looking over, I'm jotting things down that you said. I loved what you said about coming back home. I've never heard that said before. And it's so true. I, I do feel like I've come back home and home for me was, has always been a comforting place. I know for some people home is, is not, but for me, home is a comforting place and it, and it does, it feels comforting to know that I have the tools that no matter what sort of thoughts pop up in my head, I have the tools. I can always dig into my tool belt and I, I expect to have intrusive thoughts. People still ask me to this day, you know, I get DMS, Zach, I want to get like you. I, I want to never have an intrusive thought again. And I'm like, wait a minute, time out. Let's talk about this for a second. I have intrusive thoughts every single day. I just, to me, they're just junk content now. They don't have any meaning or value. And that has come from reps and reps of exposure and response prevention. That has come from what I call micro exposures, doing things on the fly but yeah, coming back home and moving through it was the other thing that you said. I, I had a post on Instagram today, but the only way out is through with OCD. You have to go through the process and it's, it's a lifelong process. And I, and I say that I don't want to intimidate people. For me, that process has gotten easier with time. I've learned more about my brain. I've learned more about how it functions. And I've gotten to a place where I feel... Like I'm back home. I know that I can move through this. And, and that feeling is is really, really comforting. So I just, I wanted to highlight that because I feel like it is such a great point. And I want people to know that they can come back home mm-hmm. and that you can move through this um, and you can reclaim your life, especially when you know that you have tools and you can tap into your tool belt. So great point, Christina. Thank you so much for that. And I'll say in terms of the book, I really I broke the book down into four parts and it's meant to be it's meant to feel like I'm walking alongside you. So for people who have read the book, they'll always reach out to me and they'll say a couple of things. The first thing is they'll be like, I hope you don't take this personally, but I read your whole book in a weekend. Like it was such an easy read. And I'm like, no, that is not offending me at all. I wrote the book with my 2016 self in mind when I was anxious, depressed, and struggling with thoughts of suicide and couldn't think clearly. I needed a resource that I could get my hands on that I could read in that state. So I wrote a really relatable book. There's very little, if any, uh, clinical jargon, we'll say, any medical terms. It is all two people sitting down and having a conversation. And my goal is to walk alongside people on their journey to recovery to be that comforting voice of hope that I wish I would have had back then. Um, But the four parts are really broken down into, first and foremost, let's start to reframe 
how we think about ourselves and how we think about our brains. I was, to your point, I was so ashamed. I felt so much guilt. I felt like, you know, it's all the classical, I hate my brain. I wish I could have a new brain. Why did this have to happen to me? Um, guilt and shame around feeling depressed when every other aspect of my life was intact. You know, I had a career, I had a girlfriend, I had a loving family, I had friends. How dare I feel depressed? You know, how dare I feel anxious? So the first part of the book is like, hey, y'all, like, let's sit down and let's talk about how the brain is an organ in the body. It's the most important organ in the body. I'm biased, but I think it's the most important organ in the body. And just like our heart health, we want to take care of our brains. And if we look at our brain health as just health, the same way we do as the heart and other organs in the body, there's no reason to feel ashamed right now of your OCD, of depression, of anxiety, if you're struggling with thoughts of suicide. It's a medical condition, and there are actions that we can take to improve the functionality of the brain and reclaim our lives. So that first part is really letting people know they're not alone and that, hey, let's start to think about the brain a little bit differently. The second part of the book dives into the signs and symptoms and I think that this was important because for me in this journey, I have continually learned so much about how anxiety manifests in my brain and body, how depression manifests in my brain and body. And I think building that awareness has also helped me make better decisions in my life because to me, I look at the, those emotions as signalers. When something's out of balance, when something is off in my life, either internally or externally, my emotions are a way of getting my attention and letting me know. And for example, genetics obviously play a factor in that, but then there are significant life events that occur. There are daily stresses. And so really learning how to balance my life and make healthy decisions based off of what I'm feeling, I think has been really important. So I wanted to share that in part two. And then in part three and four, we dive into the different treatment options, the different modalities, if you will. So we talk about exposure and response prevention. We talk about ACT. We talk about um, CBT, more generally speaking, cognitive behavioral therapy. And then for me, a big part of my journey has been learning healthy coping strategies with my lifestyle. So we talk all about sleep, meditation, exercise, the supplements that I take, um, how nature, getting out into nature has been a big part of my recovery journey finding meaning and purpose in this journey. So really trying to tackle recovery from a lot of different angles. Yeah, I think that's really beautifully said. Um, and thanks for sharing that. I, first of all, I love that it's very holistic and it's really, it really, it, I think for anything in when we're dealing with difficulties in our lives, I think quite often we can kind of focus on like one right? One pathway, like I'm going to just do this one thing and it's going to somehow magically take care of everything. And the, right. the truth is like what you just named is it really is the whole person. It's it's your entire system and making sure you're treating yourself as a whole person and entire system and that you need, you, there's different needs that we all have. And I love that you name meditation. I definitely, you know, talk a lot about, you know, doing guided practices or doing things in your life situationally, organically that can foster more of that mindfulness, right? Where we're bringing our full conscious awareness into this moment. Um, and really it's just that practice of that, I think, increasing awareness, right? 
Um, and to your point, learning to separate out. And I think a really important aspect is this is how my brain functions. Mm. This is not a reflection on who I am, right? Like you said. And I think that's a huge piece for everybody with OCD. I'll say once you kind of get that psychoeducation and kind of grasp that literally there's internal mechanisms like, you know, your serotonin levels, the basal ganglia, prefrontal cortex, like that may be new for some people right now. Maybe it's not, but you know, like anything, if we have something going on physically, we, we usually learn about it. Right. So same thing, like let's learn about what's happening in our brains. That's actually setting off this, this threat cycle uh, where you feel so urgent that you have to respond to it and, and you start to kind of lose, lose your senses. Um, I want to ask you another question with, you know, all the talks that you're doing and kind of being in college and, and this advocacy for mental health in general. Can you um, talk to us a little bit about what what that's like? Kind of what do you see just from your experience um, as some of the challenges that are happening? Um, because, I, you know, it's 2023 in many ways, you know, I guess maybe for me, I thought, oh, we're going to be a lot further along. But I think in many ways we're still not really right. And, and I don't know for you, but I know for me in my personal life, so many times people say things like, Oh, we're all OCD. Oh, I'm OCD. And so countless of times I have to constantly, you know, re-educate, which is fine. But I'm just curious from your standpoint, since, you know, you, you go to so many different universities and you, you're doing so much um, advocacy in that way. What do you see as a challenge um, to kind of help overcome some of this, you know, the stigma really? Yeah, I love that question. And one thing that you touched on, and I'm I'm learning this in my advocacy. So I want to I want to touch on this real quickly, because I was I felt that the neuroscience was very empowering. To your point, where you're talking about the different mechanisms in the brain and how they function and how they're working together can can create situations like OCD. What I ended up learning through my advocacy and having so many of these conversations is that a lot of people felt disempowered through the neuroscience because they almost felt like, well, what's the point? This is just how my brain is. This is how my brain is wired. If I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life, like almost identifying I am OCD. I am a depressed person. I am an anxious person. And it's because of the neuroscience. So I think for that group, right? Because there are some of us that feel empowered by the neuroscience. I'm I'm in that camp. It sounds like you are as well. There are also some people that I think the neuroscience can can make them feel hung up and feel hopeless. And what I would say to that is you are not your anxiety. You are not your depression. You are not your OCD. Those are mechanisms that are running in the background and Every single day, you have agency and choice to live the life that you want based on your values, which you touched on earlier, Christina, regardless of how you feel. And what's interesting is that what I've learned, and then obviously you can probably speak to this too, and and what the studies have found is that when we start to relinquish this like need to get rid of the anxiety or get rid of the depression or get rid of the intrusive thoughts... In a lot of cases, they sort of trickle and fall away with time. Again, intentionality, doing ERP, meditating, exercising, living that holistic lifestyle. I, meditation for me is this, besides therapy, meditation is the single most important thing that I've ever incorporated into my life. I've meditated over 40,000 minutes. I started back in 2015. 
I not a single day goes by that I don't meditate for 10 to 15 minutes. And I think that it's one of the biggest reasons why I've recovered to the level that I, that I have. But another big part of that, I think in the mindset that I've had is a long time ago, I let go of the idea that I needed to cure myself from OCD or that I never needed to have another intrusive thought again, or that the only way that I could function and be happy in the world is if I didn't feel anxious or if I didn't feel depressed. And when I started to loosen my grip on the need to not feel those emotions, while also living intentionally, doing ERP, meditating, exercising, taking supplements, doing things that make me happy, finding meaning and purpose in my life, the levels of depression began to trickle and fade. The levels of anxiety began to trickle and fade. And I would say that for me, my anxiety kind of comes and goes in waves. And I would say that uh, with the intrusive thoughts that my by letting go of this need to have control over them, I feel like they have faded with time. And so for the group that thinks that they're doomed by their neuroscience, it's not a life sentence. You can still experience these symptoms and live a life that you value. And all you have to do is wake up and, and live intentionally. Prove to yourself every single day that you are the person that you want to be. And the beautiful thing about that is that you can do that through your actions regardless of how you feel. So I never want to discount how somebody feels. Um, and certainly there are days where I'm just not feeling it. And I lay around on the couch and it's I call it a brain day. I think everybody deserves to have a brain day. Um, uh, but for me, my goal is just to not let too many of those brain days stack up and to live intentionally through my actions um, and just trust the process. So I, I the long winded answer, but I wanted to touch on that. I don't know if you have any thoughts there before I jump into your the question that you had previously. Yeah, and no, I think first of all, thank you for making that point, because I think you're right, right? Nothing, nothing is all or nothing, right? Nothing is this one or the other i think there's a lot of gray areas and i and to to the point you're just making i think what is important um it's really a lot of it is about perception right and like mm -hmm. i tell people i work with if you if we can practice shifting your perception just one degree it doesn't have to be a hundred just one one point right it 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 ripples out to everything right so a lot of it does have to do with kind of pausing checking in and looking at you know how am i looking at something and which is that right and if if that looking at it as, oh, it's, this is in my brain or I'm broken or I'm mm -hmm. now this thing, right? Then that's a perception you're having. But if we shift that perception, like you said, where it's like, well, I want to learn about myself. I want to understand how this whole system functions and kind of how to maximize it or how to make it better or how to mm -hmm. how to have a smoother experience, right? Even with that one percep perception shift, um, you know, it, it can really impact everything, right? And so I think that's an important point that you were just making as well and and reminding people right that you're not like we don't say i am cancer right. i am diabetes like yes. no i have it like i have this thing you know but okay right that doesn't have to impede my ability to actually live so it's like okay i have an anxiety disorder but that also doesn't mean i can't still live my life right and i think that's what we talk about when people over identify with this thing, but it makes sense because for those listening and people who have OCD and I have it myself, when it hits, it, it, it takes over. I mean, it really is so intense. Like, like yeah. I frequently say your system gets completely hijacked and it gets, it's really difficult then to tell, you know, what, what's going on, what's up, what's down, you know, mm -hmm. and 
you know, when you, but again, if you keep practicing the different tools that are available to treat OCD with time, you get to learn the overall process of how OCD works. So Mm. it's no longer about the, every detail about the experience. It's more, I've learned what this experience is, right? I now know how this whole thing works, how it operates, how it feels, because it's really a very familiar kind of feeling state, Right. And like, I definitely know when I hit that state and like everybody, you have moments where you're like, well, I don't know, maybe is it OCD? Maybe it's not OCD. That's when, you know, that's what I typically say, you know, air on the side, it's probably OCD, you know, but, but it's a familiar feeling and you, and you know what it's just, it's just really highly uncomfortable, whatever, whatever it is for everybody. Right. Some people it's racing thoughts. Some Mm. for me, my heart feels like it's going to fly out of my chest. Some people it's their stomach or, or, you know, issues like feeling like you have to suddenly you know run to the bathroom whatever it is muscle tension but when you get familiar with how the whole thing works right then you learn to understand yourself understand that and be able to then take a step back and just know like okay well that sometimes happens right just like sometimes i get a fever and then i get better like okay sometimes i get hit with this thing and then it passes and we're back we're back into you know whatever it is i'm trying to do in my life I love that so much. I had to jot down a few things that you said again, because it's like, even for example, I love when you said I am, you don't say I am cancer or I am diabetes. It's something that you have. And people with diabetes still go out and live their lives. People with cancer still go out to the best of their ability and live their lives. And, you know, the perfect example is like, I can get a little anxious and nervous before a podcast interview, and that is not going to deter me from doing the podcast interview. There you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this process anxious, and I'm going to prove to my brain, I can go through this and do this feeling anxious. And I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna wait until the day where it doesn't, where I don't feel anxious before a podcast interview to do it. And I think it's building up those repetitions. You talked about learning about the mechanism of OCD and and understanding how it functions and operates. I think that that is cannot be overstated or understated. I should say how important that is. Um, and one piece of advice that I received and was actually reminded about this on my podcast a couple of weeks ago is slowing down. I think we live in this extremely fast paced world where if you allow yourself to unknowingly get swept into the pace of rest of, of the rest of society, especially in the Western world, you are going to be moving really, really fast. And slowing down for me has been in, deliberately slowing down, like intentionally moving slower. Like I'll give tangible examples to the, to the audience, like intentionally moving slower. Intentionally when I'm you know, coming up on a, on a red light and it turns yellow or it's turning, it's green and it's turning yellow rather than trying to gun through and get through actually just slowing down and sitting at that light for the extra 60 seconds. It's taking a little more time when talking to somebody rather than thinking about all the the things that I need to do or this, that, or the other. It's just quite literally slowing everything down. And through that process of slowing things down over time, I've become, been able to become aware of the OCD cycle and how it works as a mechanism and what various things in my life trigger that. Um, and when you said I didn't, you didn't know what was up and what was down. I mean, it's just a great way to describe OCD when you're stuck in the cycle. It feels so real. You don't know, is this OCD? Is it not? 
and I always joke, I'm, I, I just kind of say, if you have to ask, <laughs> if you have to ask, and then I just leave it there because ultimately at the end of the day, that's not even a question, as you know, that we can really ever get 100% certainty on. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but through slowing down, I feel like I've been able to get a lot of clarity. So I just appreciate what you said. Um, and you're right. It, it is a mechanism. And I think that if you slow down, you can start to build more clarity and that helps for me, at least it's been helpful to know what is up and what's down and being able to live a values-based life. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for pausing and highlighting some of these things. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's important for folks to remember that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And did you remember my other question? I, I did. So I wasn't sure if, if yeah. So let's do here's, it. Here, here's what I think. I think that we are in this incredible time period that the history books are going to write about where society is waking up. And if you look, there's just been an explosion of podcasts talking about all sorts of brain health challenges, not just OCD and anxiety. There's been an explosion of nonprofits that are committing resources and time and money and expertise to researching different brain health challenges. There are so many advocates like you and I across the globe. And now more than ever, we are connected through our phones, through our laptops, through social media to be able to have these conversations. I connect with people all over the world every single week. And it's a blessing. One day it's Mexico City. The next day it's the UK. The day after that it's um, the Philippines. Then it's Australia. Then it's Africa. And I think that while I still hear terms like I'm so OCD and this, that, and the other, I think that on the micro level, that's going to happen. But at the macro level, I think that we're in this incredible time period where people like you, people that are out there putting on podcasts, having these conversations, the innovators in the space, I, I think that we're just, we're going to see this massive explosion of uh, an awakening of society, this mass scale awareness where we're more compassionate and understanding. And I just think like sometimes, you know, I experienced the onset of OCD in 2016 and I just count my blessings because I've had people on the podcast that even in the 90s, that's when they experienced the onset of their OCD. And in the 90s, the conversation was just so incredibly different. And, you know, we're, it's, it's crazy to think that now we're, that's three decades ago. But in 30 years, because I've had these conversations, I know we have made progress. And I think that we're going to continue to make progress. And I'm, I don't know. I guess it's the advocate in me, but I'm very bullish for the future. And I think that um, we are waking up as a society. Uh, we're becoming more compassionate, generally speaking, as well as how it pertains to OCD. And I think that there's just going to continue to be more and more awareness, education, and resources coming out um, to help people on their journey. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And I would love to lastly just say thank you so much for coming on the show. And how can people find you if they want to find you? Yeah, absolutely, Christina. So the main way that people can connect with me is either um, my social, which is just at Zach underscore Westerbeck. Westerbeck is spelled with all E's. Zach is spelled with uh, C-H-Z-A-C-H. 
Um, so Zach underscore Westerbeck. Or you can go to my website and check out everything we have going on there. You can find the book. Um, I do one-on-one coaching services, uh, everything about my speaking. You can learn about the OCD online community that's coming out this year, as well as um, some e-courses to teach people different mindsets to help them on their journey with OCD. You can find all that on the website. Uh, and that is at, oh, and, and my podcast, the You're Not Alone podcast at ZachWesterbeck.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Zach. Thank you. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want to take your recovery journey to the next level, our online class, the OCD-free ERP Mindset, may be the right thing for you. It features video lessons, journal prompts, and worksheets designed to help you break the OCD cycle. Access it now and start thriving today at www.coreresults.com forward slash e-learning. All links are in the show notes.